Daily Drive is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, June 11th. Earlier this week, specialty truck manufacturer Oshkosh Corporation unveiled its Volterra platform of electric vehicles. Designed to serve the fire and emergency segment, company president and CEO John Pfeiffer says the electric platform is just another reflection of how the company continues to drive EV innovation in specialty trucks and special equipment. Earlier this year, the company also won the contract to renew the U.S. Postal Service's fleet of 165,000 last-mile delivery vans. Equipped with features like airbags and air conditioning, options that have been standard in passenger vehicles for decades, the next-gen delivery van also comes equipped with connected and telematics features like forward collision and blind spot warning systems, a 360-degree camera, and front and back bumper sensors. Add on easier access points on the side of the vehicle and into the cargo bay, and according to Pfeiffer, you have a vehicle designed to make work safer, easier, and more efficient for postal carriers across America. A responsibility he says is core to the culture of the company and everything they do to serve the U.S. Postal Service, firefighters, first responders, soldiers, and frankly, all customers that turn to the company for specialty equipment. When it comes to electrifying the U.S. Postal Fleet, Pfeiffer says the next-gen van can be equipped with both electrified and internal combustion powertrains. What that delivers is flexibility that allows the U.S. Postal Service to electrify at its own pace. And whatever that pace is, he says the company is ready to meet demand. Important, given recent discussions at the federal level to provide an additional $8 billion in funding to the USPS meant to accelerate electrification of its fleet. What else is the company doing in vehicle electrification? What's he keeping an eye on in the supply chain? And how is the company attracting highly skilled talent to meet its advanced manufacturing needs? We've caught up with Oshkosh Corporation President and CEO, John Pfeiffer. John, thank you so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast. How are you, sir? I'm great and delighted to be be here with you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. We've got a lot of interesting things to talk about today and this push towards electrifications, particularly in the commercial area, is gaining a lot of of traction, a lot of interest. Why don't we start with any sort of update that you might be able to tell our audience about the next gen uh, USPS delivery van? Oh, yeah, that's that that is a great uh, subject to, to start the conversation, Steve. And we call it the next generation delivery vehicle. That's a U.S. Post, Postal Service term. Uh, and this is, you know, the thing to know about this, this is the first major vehicle program for the Postal Service in more than three decades. So uh, this is a, a big part of their strategy to move the Postal Service into the future with uh, last mile delivery. Um, uh, this competition uh, that we ended up um, uh, prevailing on has been going on for more than five years. You know, when they haven't upgraded the fleet in 30, 35 years, it's a big deal. And so they they were pretty careful and very prudent about how they selected the best solution. And that took them uh, a little over five years. We're really proud to have been selected uh, uh, as the supplier. 
we designed and developed a solution that we think is absolutely fantastic for postal carriers. Uh, we provided uh, flexibility for both zero emission battery electric uh, vehicles, as well as low emission internal combustion uh, vehicles, all on a single chassis. So same vehicle, either battery electric or uh, internal low emission internal combustion. Uh, gives the Postal Service a lot of flexibility. And more than that, uh, we can take an internal combustion unit and we can convert it to a battery electric vehicle uh, in the future as more routes are, are able to accept battery electric. Uh, that's something that you can really only do if you purpose build the vehicle, purpose design the vehicle to take both forms of propulsion. Uh, so that was a that was a big part of our proposal to give good flexibility to the postal service to make the investment at a pace uh, that they can that they can handle in terms of putting zero emission vehicles in, into the fleet. Um, so really exciting stuff. But you know, it's not just about the zero emission part of it. it uh, this is a purpose built vehicle, as I already said, really designed with empathy around what the postal carrier needs for modern package delivery. It's totally different today than it was 35 years ago when the current vehicle was designed and developed. Today, it's all about uh, last mile delivery of e-commerce packages. That's really the primary thing that, uh, that they're trying to accomplish. And we gave them a solution that gives them both um, productivity, ergonomics, and safety. A lot of technology built into the vehicles, 360 degree uh, view by, by camera systems, got all the safety features of airbags, traction control, front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, all wheel drive vehicles for uh, cold weather climates. It's got collision warning, automatic stop for safety. Um, the cargo capacity is, is what they need for, for uh, today's parcel delivery. Uh, so I could go on and on, Steve. We're really excited about this solution. We're excited about being the supplier for the future of the Postal Service and uh, couldn't be, couldn't be um, happier with, uh, with the way that it's going. Congratulations, first of all. Um, and I also, right, a lot of the headlines around this, this vehicle have been around the electrification piece of it and the flexibility yep. that you talked about is important between internal combustion and electrified. But one of the things that you just articulated is interesting, and maybe let's let's spend a couple of minutes on that. And that's this notion of other technologies that you're putting in this vehicle uh, that are making jobs easier, that making uh, safer for end users, more efficient. Can you talk a little bit deeper about those? Well, you know, some of these technologies that uh, we're putting into this vehicle uh, are are things that uh, many of us as uh, uh, citizens in our communities and, and, and operators of passenger vehicles have become accustomed to. Uh, so that's things like air conditioning, airbags, um, uh, those, those types of features. Now that might seem pretty uh, basic stuff to you and I, but when you look at one of the vehicles that's been around for 35 years that has no air conditioning, uh, that that has no airbags, no safety systems of any kind, very limited visibility for the for the uh, postal carrier. You know, some of those are are big giant advancements for this fleet of vehicles. I think that what we did with the cargo capacity and the ability to easily carry 
small packages, height when you low step for, for ease of accessibility by the postal carrier, height where you know there's not a lot of ducking and, and, and awkward movements that you have to make to be able to access things. Uh, those sound uh, um, perhaps like small things, but to a postal carrier that's working every single day, um, uh, around these vehicles, those are big steps forward in terms of productivity and just in terms of, uh, uh, of being able to, uh, um, be healthy while you do your job. Let's expand on that a little with the announcement that you made earlier this week relative to bringing your technologies and your solutions to first responders. Can you talk about that announcement, some of the platforms that you announced and how you're taking some of your approaches to the postal service vehicle and applying them to these other applications? Yeah, so so first I'll tell you that we've got a long history with technology, and we actually have a long history with electrification. It's, it's something that maybe hasn't been well recognized because a lot of the electrification programs we've done, and by the way, we've been involved in electrification since the 1990s. Our first electrified boom lift in our with our construction aerial work platform business came out in 1994. And, but these were always uh, uh, discrete programs for a very specific use case. We've done some for for the Department of Defense. Um, the, the cost equation in past years was not there to, to apply it to a wide range of use cases. So we would always develop it for a sp- performance in a specific use case. Now things have changed dramatically where not only has technology evolved a lot further over that period of time we've been developing electrification, but it, the costs have come down. So now we can provide performance benefits we can provide economic benefits, and we can provide uh, environmental benefits with zero emission. All these things coming together just over the past couple of years is why we're able to take it and, and apply it to 165,000 postal vehicles over 10 years. It, it, it's also why we're, we just introduced yesterday the first electric municipal fire truck and the first electric airport emergency vehicle. Um, you know, different type of vehicle, different purpose that we've designed it for, but using the same electrification technology that we know how to deliver to communities that really want electrification. We're, we're, we're also doing it in refuse collection. We just shipped our first refuse collection vehicle that's been as a fully electrified um, uh, um, body to it, as well as propulsion system to it. Uh, that's brand new for us. Uh, we have introduced more electric aerial work platforms for the construction industry, which allows them to apply uh, aerial work platforms to more use cases because of the benefits that they get out of the performance than they've been able to do in the past. So this is really accelerating for us in our ability to apply it to many uh, end markets that we serve. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Early on when the U.S. Postal Service announcement was made, it called for a 10% of the fleet to be electrified. Recently, Congress approved an $8 billion increase to buy more EVs. Why is it important to the American clean energy and climate change agenda? Well, I mean, let me kind of take one quick step back. First of all, um, the United States Postal Service is self-funded. Right. And, and so they don't get 
uh, appropriations uh, from Congress, typically. Now, I know there's talk about uh, uh, um, providing some money for the Postal Service that, that you just mentioned, but typically they are self-funded. Um, the good news is that there's bipartisan support for the United States Postal Service, and there's uh, bipartisan support for the United States Postal Service modernizing its fleet, because I think everybody understands that that's important for the viability of the Postal Service. Um, we are certainly aware of, of that $8 billion that, that's currently being considered uh, to provide funds to support electrifying the, the delivery vehicles that we're doing. Um, and that's per the president's climate uh, objectives and net zero emissions goals for sure. Um, I think that our solution is completely in line with President Biden's goals. In other words, we've given the Postal Service the flexibility to electrify the fleet at the pace that they can accommodate it. So whether it's 10% to start or 100% to start with electric vehicles, we're, we'll be ready to go as we get ready for production. And, and day one starts in late 2023. Whether it's 10% or 100% electric from day one, uh, uh, we'll be ready to go. And um, I do think what, what's most important is that I believe over the 10-year life of upgrading the fleet, the intent is to make it more and more electric in line with President Biden's goals. Um, I think that that uh, it's really up to the uh, Congress and the U.S. Postal Service as to what's really going to happen if they are able to provide them with, with that up to $8 billion in funding. But we're ready to support them and support the U.S. Postal Service in terms of uh, uh, how, how they want to orchestrate the upgrade. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with more. As online experiences exploded this past year, it was clear dealers needed an approach that kept them in business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, Top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds' Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big-picture, holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retailanywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retailanywhere. Are there any supply chain concerns that you're watching? Well, right now, I'll tell you that one of the good things about this is that we are, I mean, we've been in, in industries for 100 years, and one of the things that we're really, really good at is manufacturing and managing the supply chain or complex manufacturing of, of uh, specialty vehicles and purpose-built vehicles. Right now, I think, as you know, the entire world is dealing with supply chain challenges uh, as the economy quickly recovers from this uh, terrible pandemic we've been in, we're no different at Oshkosh. 
Uh, there's a lot of supply chain challenges right now. We do know how to manage supply chain, so that's the good news. Uh, we're collaborating strongly with the United States Postal Service and with the suppliers that we've selected that are across the country uh, to build the supply base for this vehicle. Uh, several of those suppliers are common to um, prior vehicles we've done. Some are new suppliers, like you'd expect lithium-ion supply partnerships are really important in this. We've got great lithium-ion supplier partnerships. Um, so uh, we, be we believe that, uh, that we're going to be um, uh, able to, to meet the needs of the Postal Service, even if it's more electric early or whether it's more of a gradual build to electric over, over the course of the 10-year uh, uh, the period. Um, it does mean, by the way, you know, this is a, this is a significant investment in upgrading a, a, the largest fleet of vehicles in the United States of America. It might be the largest fleet of vehicles in the world, uh, 165,000 last mile delivery vehicles. So this is going to create a lot of jobs across the United States manufacturing base, uh, and that's good for our community. While we're on the topic of jobs and manufacturing in the U.S., the, the Manufacturing Institute recently um, released its annual report on the skills gap in, in the United States. I'm curious, you as an organization, are you finding the talent you need to meet those advanced manufacturing requirements? Uh, well, finding talent is, is always uh, a priority for us. Um, I will tell you that... Um, Typically, we tend to be an employer of choice. Um, you know, when you look at our manufacturing plants, we design in Industry 4.0 constantly. We're continuously upgrading, doing a, doing a lot of, you know, we expect today in modern manufacturing everything to be connected, right? So having a disconnected part of a manufacturing plant is something that we don't like. So we do a lot of Industry 4.0. It means you need a higher skill set in manufacturing, ultimately. Um, and we need a lot of vocational skill sets to do what we do. Because we're tend, we tend to be a, uh, uh, an employer of choice, uh, meaning we have good wages, we've got great benefits, we've got a really strong culture. Our culture is everything to us. I mean, our people care about our culture. They know that what we do is we provide a difference in the lives of people that are doing the most difficult work in our communities. I'm talking about soldiers and firefighters and soon to be postal carriers. And that what we do makes a difference to the productivity and the safety of those people that are doing that work. And, and people here care about it. Uh, whether you're working in one of our manufacturing operations or your PhD in engineering, they really care about it. That culture attracts people. So, so we, um, while there's always a battle to find talent, um, you know, we, we usually are, are able to get it uh, because of who we are. Let's go back a little bit to the, the USPS piece and the, the yeah. infrastructure of needed to charge that. How important is the infrastructure bill to electrifying that fleet? And do you think it can happen without the mass installation of chargers that the administration is calling for? You know, we'll defer to the U.S. Postal Service on questions about the infrastructure bill that's currently being considered by Congress and you know, what impact that will have on electrifying the fleet. Um, you know, right now, what I can tell you is we're, we're really focused on implementing 
uh, the first portion of this contract with the U.S. Postal Service, which means we're getting ready for um, production and getting production ready uh, by 2023. I think that it is clearly, though, safe to say that charging infrastructure uh, is important for electrification in general. It's not just for the U.S. Postal Service and making that fleet of vehicles electric, but for passenger cars, for our for our new Volterra electric fire trucks, for electric refuse collection vehicles. I mean, as we continue as communities to electrify and get the benefits that that provides in terms of performance and the benefits that that provides in terms of uh, environmental benefits, I think it's clearly safe to, to say that the charging infrastructure is really important. Um, you know, how, how do you drive a, an internal combustion passenger car to work when you don't have a gas station to stop and get gas at? Um, so clearly it's an, it's an important part of it. Well, it's a bit different also in the commercial side and the use cases where you are focused on. It's a much easier, scalable, leverageable investment to put these things inside of firehouses and airports and ports, et cetera, versus everyday consumers putting these types of charging stations in their homes or even businesses doing at grocery stores, et cetera. To that point, though, given that electrification is likely going to lead in the commercial space. How important is all of this in terms of affecting consumers' opinions of and adoption of electric vehicles for their own personal use? Um, I think it's very important. You know, when you look at the economic benefits that electrification provides, I think it provides a big economic benefit and a clear economic benefit in commercial use cases. So there's a clear economic benefit for the U.S. Postal Service as we electrify the fleet. There's a clear economic benefit for um, one of our refuse um, uh, customers to make an uh, electrified collection fleet because of the, uh, the, um, uh, the economic benefits that come in terms of lower maintenance and much, much lower running costs. And then you add to that performance benefits of electric propulsion versus internal combustion propulsion. So, so that economic benefit is driving us towards um, uh, electrification in several uh, commercial uh, um, uh, end markets. I think that uh, um, that's happening almost faster or at least in parallel with um, what's happening with with consumer vehicles and passenger cars, and, and I think as as consumers see more electric vehicles on the road, and they see a, a electric um, refuse collection vehicles or U or U.S. postal vehicles, uh, it just makes the technology more understandable and more acceptable. Let's close with a view over the last 12 to 15 months. You talk about the strong culture, you talk about uh, Oshkosh being an employer of choice. You joined the company in 2019, president, COO, now CEO. What's it been like to join and lead the company over the past several months? Well, you know, I'll, I'll reiterate something that I said earlier. We've got an incredible culture as a company. We have really, really great people. Um, uh, it's it's impressive to see the capabilities and and, and the and the people that we have in our in our company 
and the culture that we have. Um, you know, we've got an enormous amount. I always tell people we're really kind of an innovation and technology and engineering company first and foremost. And then we deliver that in terms of innovations to those everyday heroes that are in our communities. Um, I think that, you know, we look at our purpose as we make a difference in the lives of those people um, that, that, are, that are serving and protecting and doing tough work in our communities. And what I will say to your question is, it is incredibly exciting to go through a time right now where we continue to combine and are doing it faster than we've ever done before, advanced technology that we know how to apply um, with our industrial strength, you know, the number one positions we have in about a dozen end markets. We apply that advanced technology and see that how much more of a difference that we can make in, in the communities where we're serving, uh, serving people that are doing all the work. Um, it's, it's exciting to see this change. You know, it's really a, a, an interesting time. It's almost like the industrial revolution all over again, uh, to some extent for us. And, 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 uh, so it really is exciting. Steve. John, congratulations to you and your team for the work with the USPS. And frankly, thank you for everything you and the team are doing to help those that, that sacrifice so much to make sure that all of us are safe. Thank you for everything. And thank you for your time today. Thanks, Steve. Really appreciate it. That's Daily Drive for Friday, June 11th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. Thanks for listening and have a terrific weekend.